On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock, we talked about now being able to buy designer cat litter boxes on Instagram. <laughs> we covered ad targeting options being stripped from certain verticals on Facebook. Jess found out a secret Google Plus past life of mine. And Greg consulted a robot to help him pronounce something. Yes, I did. All on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. We record live every Friday from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Join us each week for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And I'm Jess Bud, And it is officially Marketing O'Clock here on March 22nd, 2019. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news shows each and every Friday morning. To follow along with us in our show notes, just head over to marketingoclock.com for all the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And first up on this week's news is a little pod keeping from last week. We recorded late on Thursday and dropped our podcast early Friday morning. And on Friday, a little later in the day, Danny Sullivan from Google came out and gave the update that we talked about as Florida 2 or the... March 12th, Florida or March 12th update, <laughs> gave it an official name from Google called the March 2019 core update. So there is no Florida 2 and there is no March 12th. It's the March 2019 core update moving on forward. So what is new in the news here today, Jess? Well, first of all, I'm just glad that that is solved because that was quite a debacle. First up in the news, Instagram will now let you buy things directly through the app. And yeah, you heard me right. As of this week, Instagram has rolled out a shopping cart feature to select retailers. Yes, I've been waiting so long for this. <laughs> I just keep waiting for the day that this dropped and it's finally here. It's finally here and it's, you can use it. Well, you can't because you're not one of those retailers. We'll talk about that later. So it's simply called Checkout, which makes sense. I feel like that's a very <laughs> aptly named feature. And it lets users complete purchases from the select retailers without ever leaving Instagram, which is pretty wild times. I mean, it, the cart looks really nice. It's very clean. And again, you're just, you're staying on Instagram to make purchases from this cart, which is just everybody's dream come true ever. But I think... Wait, wait, wait. Everybody's <laughs> dream come true? Ever. Now, is, are these nightmares or, or, or dreams? Well, it depends on the person, but they're all dreams, okay. whether, whether they're good or bad. I've got a lot more things I'm hoping come <laughs> true before well, the ability to have a checkout on Instagram, well, you just can, for the record. You can check this one off your list now. You good. can dream about those other bigger dreams. I'll pre-check that one off before <laughs> it even makes it out. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, all kidding aside, though, it's a pretty natural next step. To the existing functionality Instagram has where users can see actual products that are featured in posts and save them and share them. It just makes sense that now you can buy them. So that feature, the saving and sharing of the products, Instagram says is already used by over 130 million people. So my guess is that this cart is going to be adopted pretty quickly. I think people are probably going to use it. What to, do you think? To me, it makes sense that you have this cart and that's why you've never been able to link off anything from an Instagram <laughs> post mm. unless it's sponsored or a story. So I get why they've done it now where you, instead of saying, Hey, go buy this on my own site, you're now forced to use this Instagram checkout. So I see kind of these pieces coming together in that way, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, do you want my, my official take on it? Yeah. I'll take your official take. My official take is not my own. It comes from Adam Singer, <laughs> uh, formerly of uh, Google Analytics and at Adam Singer on Twitter. He's a 
an amazing follow for anybody in the digital marketing space. But he tweeted out, imagine being someone who buys a product directly from Instagram. I think sticking my hand inside a hornet's nest is higher on my things I would ever do in life. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was great. Wow. And then he went on to say, pro tip, companies have websites. They typically (laughs) offer good deals there. Frequently better than Amazon. Or sure, pay Zucka Toll to buy a designer cat litter box or whatever influencers are peddling today because no one has the slightest impulse control. Buying things online is already easy. So... I'm going to not have my own thoughts. I'm going to go with Adam there. He's the best. That's pretty scathing, also pretty funny, (laughs) and probably pretty true. But I think that's maybe the benefit here for retailers and advertisers is that the path to conversion is so short this way. They don't even have to go to your website. They can buy something right away. While I understand his points, if we're just, and I'm I'm not going to say this on the record, but if we're just trying to dupe people and get them to buy something quick, this is letting them do that. I want people on my website. I mean, I do too. I get that. But if you're going to make the sale versus somebody that's not going to come to your website, because it's not like the alternative was Instagram said, well, you can have this or you can have a link to your site and go to the product and and buy this. They didn't give us that alternative. So I think this is better than nothing. It's debatable. Yeah, it's better than nothing, but that's not how we should set. We shouldn't have to settle. Like give us links off to our, our site. I'd be more excited about that. But yes, it's it's something if you're a retailer and you've got those designer cat litter boxes, you, this, you might be doing backflips now. Yeah. And right? <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, because we talked about this a little bit earlier at, at the office today and it's not, you can't look at size charts and things like that and other valuable information that tends to be on a site. But if it's just like a fake plant you want to buy, then that's a lot easier than a shirt, yeah. I guess. I don't know. All right. Next up in the news is an article from Facebook called Doing More to Protect Against Discrimination in Housing, Employment, and credit advertising. Anyone who is looking to run housing, employment, or credit ads will no longer be able to use targeting of age, gender, or zip code when they go to push their products and their ads. So it is a move that is part of a settlement that Facebook had to reach with the ACLU and the NFHA and the CWA, I don't know what those are. They, they sound like, like boy bands or something. <laughs> we can um, look them up. Or wrestling federations. Yeah, that, that is exactly it. Yeah, the, the CWA. Yeah. Watch out. Don't cross them. <laughs> but anyway, you, now you can't do those discrimina- discriminatory practices. Um, and to me, I understand that it's come to this, but you know, targeting by zip codes for things like a job, could be helpful, like if you're actually located in a zip code or some of those things. But I get it. It also can be used for bad, which is unfortunate. Exactly. And just to confirm here, they're taking away only that zip code targeting, correct? So other location targeting that's a little bit broader, like say the New York City demographic area or like radius targeting and things like that are still available. It's just specifically zip codes, right? Yes. And I believe it's it's that, that Nielsen DMA that you've got is still able to be targeted. Awesome. But again, I don't have anybody right now that's a housing client or credit client that I've seen this with. So I don't have that specific, but yeah, I think it's the zip code. So you can't go after the more affluent zips out there. Or the opposite, right? Or the opposite. Yeah. Well, go after those and drop those out or or whatnot. Um, Okay. So another thing to note is that Facebook had said multicultural affinity targeting will continue to be unavailable 
for any of these ads. So again, anything that's a protected class will no longer be available specifically for those uh, housing, employment, and credit ads. One really cool thing that came along with this news is that there's going to be a tool which will allow everybody to search and see all of the current housing ads in the U.S. that are targeted to different places, um, whether or not they're targeted to you. That's pretty awesome, and it kind of sounds familiar. I mean, no spoilers here, but I feel like we're going to talk about something very similar yes. later. Yes, but to me, that this is this is what would really move the needle quite a bit, mm-hmm. is to say... To, to put this all out in the open and say, yeah, not only are you targeting, we had we had an article a few months back about Uber targeting male drivers specifically. Yep. Uh, I think it was like ninety six or ninety eight to to two percent of, of women. Tisk, tisk. Um, and I think being able to to see that easily and surface that that this is something that could really move the needle and help bring some of these things to life. Um, although can't really do it anymore, I guess. <laughs> but again, this is is pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. I don't. I don't have any qualms with that. It's nothing like sticking your hand in a beehive. <laughs> no. The only. The only negative, obviously, with this is it can be a double-edged sword. If you sure. are using ads specifically to drive um, different diversity into your workforce, you're no longer be able to target by that. So again, I think one of the examples was Boeing previously was had was running ads specifically for female engineers. Mm-hmm. Not going to be able to do that either. So you're going to lose all the bad and maybe some of those perks as well. All right. And that brings us to this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. All right. And we've got a little format change here where we are going to break our lightning round stories down by either paid or, wait for it, non-paid. Wow. (laughs) So we've (laughs) got (laughs) our lightning round by paid and non-paid. Jess, what do we have this week in paid? All right. First up in the paid section of the lightning round here is LinkedIn taps Bing search data for interest targeting. So this is pretty cool. Bing already has a feature, though it's still in beta, that lets advertisers use LinkedIn data for targeting on search. And now they've flipped the script and you can target on LinkedIn based on user behavior on Bing. So it goes both ways now. LinkedIn on Bing and Bing on LinkedIn. Exactly. So I don't need to repeat myself. That's exactly what it is. But it's especially powerful, I think, for um, users that don't show particular interest in certain things, maybe on LinkedIn but they do on Bing. So now we can use that and leverage it when we're doing LinkedIn advertising. So pretty sweet. Now, the one thing that's not that sweet is this is Bing. (laughs) So, you know, poor Bing a little bit there, but when's the last time you did a search on Bing? Not recently. Right. I mean, I think the last time I did was a search for a file on my computer when I accidentally put it into the little search at the bottom. (laughs) That works, by the way, really well, actually. Get all sorts of... uh, (laughs) When I go hop over to LinkedIn, I might get all sorts of, of ads for um, an executable file now, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's great. If that's something that you've shown interest in, then that targeting is for you. Awesome. Uh, okay, next up, Google Ads now makes reporting column recommendations. And no one should panic. This isn't a really big deal. The two biggest things that did come out of this announcement, though, is that the bidding strategy is no longer a required column, which is super nice. And before, you couldn't get rid of that. No. That was something that was stuck on there, just mm-hmm. eating up screen space. And you're like, I know what this is. Get this off. Yeah. Now you can remove that. Yes, you can. You can still have it, people, but you can remove it. And then the other thing is that just of note, these recommendations that they are recommending for you based on the metrics that they think are most important to your account. So keep an eye on it. They will be on by default. So you can adjust them or turn them off completely, but just know that by default, they're going to be on. So if you want to change them up, do so. Great. All right. 
Next up in we are always testing but have nothing to officially announce right now news. <laughs> I wonder who this is from. Yeah. Uh, Google. <laughs> they appear to be testing a new way of labeling ads in the search results, Greg. Yes. And the name of the article is from one of our faves, Ginny Marvin. It's, it was called Goodbye Green, Google Testing Black Ad Label and Search. And I've got a bone to pick with Ginny here on the name. But before I do, why don't you tell us what it's about? All right. We'll, we'll do the news first and then the, but the bone picking. So some folks in Europe specifically have spotted these new ad labels, and they look even more discreet than the current green label. So Darren Taylor or at the big marketer on Twitter posted a screenshot of this, and you can see it in the show notes as well at marketingoclock.com. And it's a pretty simple label, if you will. It's just bold black text above the ad. It has no border at all. And the other interesting thing is that next to the ad label, the uh, display URL is pulled in right there instead of where it normally would be in the ad. So again, this looks just to be a test right now and Google's not really talking about it, but if you're in the EU, maybe you might be able to see it and maybe the test will roll out to the US. We don't know. You, yeah, you're yeah. itching to pick, you're itching to pick a bone. Pick it. Yes, time to scratch. Here we go. <laughs> that before we would see, again, the background be a certain color and then it turned into just like a little label that was yellow and then green mm-hmm. and then transparent where it's white with just a little green border around it. This isn't a label anymore. This is just the <laughs> word ad yeah. that has no coloration around it. It's hard to distinguish it between the ad itself. It's Very. just text. Mm-hmm. It's like not a label. It's just text now, which is crazy. It's so, crazy, but could be good, right? You might get some more clicks. Yeah. I mean, we whenever we talk to clients, there's always somebody in the room that's like, I've never clicked on ads. And you're like, you don't even know that you're clicking on ads, especially now. Like, yeah. there's If this goes through and we see this, again, morph into just having a little bit of text there saying ad, nobody's going to know they're clicking on ads. Like, no. it's, it's very, very discreet. And it is now not a label. It's just text. It's just text. Well, maybe what they're going to do is they're going to steal our lightning round format and they're just going to put their search results as paid and non-paid. That's it. That's (laughs) it. The solution. Promoted. You're welcome, Google. I hope you're listening. All right. Finally, our last paid story here comes from Bing, who is helping advertisers, quote, save time with Google ads using important updates in Bing Ads Editor. And this is lightning round, so we'll just do these quick bullet points, but... Bing Ads Editor is going to have better mapping of campaigns with Google Ads to make imports more reliable. I always found them to be reliable, but hopefully this will help some folks having trouble with that. They are also having the same import and scheduling options added to the editor as they have available in the online interface, which is nice. And then my favorite one here is a direct import of campaigns again, using Bing Ads Editor to the Bing Ads server. So it'll save you time. You don't have to then review everything locally and post it. But, you know, there's a caveat here that you don't want to just push everything live automatically if you like to make changes in Bing. So you can for sure pause those campaigns, even though that they're automatically updated and then you are uploaded and then you can change them later. Yeah. And the import tool in the Bing Ads Editor is the most valuable thing Bing offers. Amen. So any <laughs> any changes or additions or benefits here goes a long way. Yeah. So again, that's why people use Bing ads mainly is for this. So great job Make it making better. it even better. Yes. Thank you, Bing. Uh, that's all I have for paid news this week. Greg, what's up in non-paid? We've got a lot this week in non-paid, starting with an article from Search Engine Roundtable and Barry Schwartz. And in the wild, we've seen a test out there of Google results where they're looking and soliciting for answers. 
And you can see that there's now something called a Q&A on Google. There was, I think in May, it had been reported that this was popping up and we saw it in the wild here. It looks pretty horrific at the moment. <laughs> you can hop into the show notes to look at them. A lot of the questions seem repetitive and poorly worded. So I wonder how these are happening. But they're know. prompting people to either upvote the question or downvote the question or answer the question right in the search engine results pages. So again, this is something that could be really cool. There are lots of you know, Q&A searches out there and maybe you can help give some answers. Absolutely. And a lot of people out there, if you read the, the comments in this article, because you know that's my favorite thing to talk about with any of your stories, but there are a lot of people with a lot of faith in Google. Everyone's like, RIP Cura, RIP Facebook. People have a lot of faith when Google launches something new and small like this. They just think the rest of the internet is just going away and they're already saying their goodbyes. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Have you ever seen, there, there's so much out there with the comedians stealing jokes and, <laughs> and just in general, right? Where yeah. you're like, oh, that was my joke and you stole it. Sure. So many of these things, the premises, I saw so many RIP Cura, just that's the only statement, then link it off. Yeah. And I saw so many, at least three people talking about when Instagram came out with checkout, saying, Instagram is the QVC for millennials. I saw three of those. <laughs> you can go, you do a Twitter search and look at it. Look oh it up. Oh, my God. So. I, I don't know. People are just quick to jump on to the next thing, I guess. But, you know, Google Plus was a failure, so maybe this won't. Yeah, either. or maybe it will. Let's but, see. But anyway, I can see how people have the same premise and end up with similar jokes because I saw a million of them this week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up is an article from The Verge called The Internet Archive is Working to Preserve Public Google Plus Posts Before It Shuts Down. Great. I was really worried about this for a long time. <laughs> Haven't slept in weeks. Oh, and great. now we're going to be able to save all those Google Plus posts. <laughs> The one thing that I just really hope happens is that there were so many Google Plus truthers, right? Where they'd be like, Facebook is going down, Twitter's going down, it's Google Plus. I just really want to save those in a special place <laughs> where we can all go back and look. Um, and, I, and, and I just want my circles, my Google Plus circles. You want, you want those archives? Oh, yeah. I don't know how I'm going to live without my circles after April 2nd here. Oh, man. I don't even know if I had, I mean, I had circles, but I couldn't tell you what they were. I've already forgotten. I'm glad the internet's never going to forget. I'm glad that people are out there archiving all the content we may ever want to go back to. All right. Quick, embarrassing Google Plus story. Mm -hmm. Just because I'm picking on those people that were so pro Google Plus. At one point, I think it was on Marketing Land or Search Engine Land, I had a weekly This Week in Google Plus a segment that I wrote where I recap all the, I'll dig it up. And Please. I'll find it and we'll link to it in the show notes. But yes. every week I'd be like, oh, this week you can add uh, up more than five in your circle. Or something oh, so simple. you were like updating people on what was new, literally in Google Plus, yeah. like new features. Yeah, I did it like every week. And then I realized this is this is pretty bad. This oh. this network and to stop doing it. It's like but, a baby marketing a clock that you had. There. Yeah, we'll have to, to hop into the archives and find that. Next up is from Google Webmasters on Twitter. The Google WMC, or formerly Google Webmaster Central account, and they have some updates to Search Console where you can see an updated sitemaps report that now supports opening a sitemap content in a new tab, deleting a sitemap right from Search Console, reviewing granular details for sitemaps with errors, or also presenting an RSS or Atom feed sitemap. So more cool stuff coming to Search Console, which is great. We've seen a lot of innovation with this new version mm -hmm. and more and more rolling out um, that is new version only and not in the, the old version. So adopt it is what you're saying. Adopt it. 
adopt or die. There's still things that you can't do. And I had to add people to Search Console from an owner level. I couldn't figure it out in the new version to save my life. And I just was like, I'm not going to learn this. I'm going back. (laughs) Going to the old version. I got to get stuff done. Grandpa Greg. Grandpa Greg. Okay, next up is one year in, Facebook's big algorithm change has spurred an angry Fox News dominated and very engaged news feed. That's a long headline. I know. Whatever happened to burying the lead? <laughs> or I guess you're not supposed to bury the lead. Not on the internet. I mean, this is like an article in the, in the title. Yeah. It's like the entire article is there. It's like those trailers you watch of the movies <sighs> where you see like everything happen. Everything. And you see the end. They spoil it. This yeah. is spoiled, this article. I still it want you spoiled. to tell us about it, but it's pretty spoiled. We know what it's happened spoiled. to the news feed. <laughs> we do. <laughs> but it's actually really interesting. There's a lot of data there, and you can hop in and see all these different facets of the data. But essentially, Fox News has the most Facebook engagement out of all the major news outlets. NBC was second, and the BBC was third. Uh, the pages, and this is where some of that engagement comes from. <laughs> Not all engagement is good engagement, right? It's true. And so the pages with the most angries was Fox News. <laughs> so Fox News was roughly 2x that of a CNN. So a lot of those engagements came in the form of an angries version. And I didn't know the angries was like an official thing. That- well, it's like that little mad face, right? I just did it for those of you who are watching. But it's right, like, because you say likes. So if it's an angry face, you got to give it a name. Angries? Angries, I guess so. I guess that's you, it. It's official. You, yeah, because I guess laughs. Is I just thought one mad. Too. Like, how many mads do you have? I didn't know it was like angries. Yeah. Whatever. Mad sounds easier. Yeah. Angries. I don't know. I give that an angry. Okay, I give it an angries. <laughs> All right. So then. Another thing that was interesting, they looked at a bunch of the different publishers and showed comments and total engagements, and it seemed like many of those publishers with the highest proportion of comments were those kind of like bros broing out pages. (laughs) Like I think the top (laughs) one was ladbible.com. I never know if it's LED, but it's like ladbible. It's like where you just, it's basically jackass, but on a page. And then people tag each other and go, you know funnies at Jess Bud and I tag you and you're in the comments. So I think that's why. But Hashtag lad Bible. That's lad weird. Bible. Like a lad like a dude? Yeah, like, like lads? Like, like a lad. Oh, that's like the least bro-y way to say bro ever. A lad. Yeah. It should be bro Bible. I think there is a bro Ooh, Bible. bro Bible. Maybe they changed it. has got a nice it. ring to it. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> All right. So next up is some big news from Google, not necessarily in the marketing space now, but may have some implications down the road, is Google Stadia. Stadia has been announced. And I, I looked this up at how to say the name, and it was really funny. So <laughs> I'm going to play it for you here. Yes. It's actually Stadia, I believe, at least according to the way that it was before. So I'm going to have a little robot pronounce it. Stadia. (laughs) Stadia. Stadia. So Google Stadia has been announced, which is their version of gaming. And it's like a console-free gaming solution that is streaming but actually has physical controllers. So it's not necessarily something that has a direct impact. But down the road, if there's ad space there's ways to monetize things, mm-hmm. something to look out for, and it seems pretty cool um, overall. So 
Other than the name, which I just don't, it just sounds like something you'd catch from like touching a doorknob. Like, ooh, she came down with a bad case of Stadia. Oh my, cut your hand right off. <laughs> Get rid of, well, then you can't play the games because there's a physical control. Okay, so it's a bad it. idea. <laughs> okay. And that is it on the organic side. And now it's time for this week's WTH. And this week's WTH comes from Axios. Axos. Not sure which one of those pronunciations it is, but they've got an article that breaks down political spending so far, and it's called Another Trump Facebook Election. And they chronicled the spend between December 30th, 2018 to March 10th, 2019, and the results are astounding. (laughs) That's an understatement. I'm looking at this chart. (laughs) It's incredible. And again, regardless of what side of the fence you're on here, there is one candidate that has spent seven and a half times the amount of second place. And that is Donald Trump. So far, he's spent $3.5 million in those roughly two and a half months, you know, a little under that. Um, $1 million on Google for a total of $4.5 million on ads so far. Second up was Elizabeth Warren, who spent just under $600,000 on Camilla Harris, Bernie Sanders, But that drop-off is enormous. That's crazy pants. And it is incredible that there's not, that A, that this is something that's just allowed in political elections. Yeah. Well, on some platforms it's not in some places, right? We've talked about that in the past. In Canada. Not, not. U.S. is It is allowed. It's just Google's backing out of that. But anyway, it's something where you look at these things and wonder how how stuff happens. It's crazy (laughs) that, that there is a candidate already that's outspending 7.5x the second place competitor. Yeah, and we did look at what some of those ads were for um, the other day, and he's selling t-shirts, so I think we should get him on the Instagram cart train. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, Facebook. He's got all the money on Facebook now. Yeah. There's a, a checkout. Get your uh, shirt right in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I noticed, too, that they either didn't report any Bing spends or none of the candidates are spending on Bing. I don't know. <laughs> That's just, yeah, yeah. I did a little digging into the data and I didn't see anything from Bing. No. Good digging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sherlock Holmes over there. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. And that, again, all the, the data can be found within the show notes. So hop on over to Marketing and Clock for more. Yes, please. And that brings us to this week's cool tool. This week's cool tool comes from Facebook, and it's actually the tool that we used to uh, snoop Trump's ads earlier that we just talked about. It's their political ads library, and it lets you search ads that are related to politics or issues of national importance. So it's not just political stuff, but it's really like political and news. So it's a really cool tool, hence the name. But all you have to do is plug in a topic, a person or a place in the search bar, and you'll get a listing of all of the relevant ads that have been run on Facebook or Instagram. And one of the things that's awesome with it is you don't just see the ad. You see who paid for the ad mm-hmm. and you see the details. Yeah. So what else can you see in the library? It's pretty sweet. You can see things that are running currently or you can filter. If you don't want to filter anything, you can see the entire history of ads based on that topic. You can also filter by location or ads run by specific pages instead of just you know a topic overall. And again, you can filter just for news if you're not interested in the political stuff. But to your point, Greg, you don't just see the ads you see performance stats too so you can see spend estimates again it's not perfect it's like a range but you can see about what they spent on those ads as well as a range of impressions 
and a breakdown of audience demographics. And again, it's all very high level percentage stuff, but you can see, you know, breakdown of male, female and locations where people are. So it's a very cool tool. And it seems like this is probably where they're going to go with the housing and credit uh, tool that we talked about earlier too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just incredible to actually see this data in real time. What a world. Yeah. <laughs> what a world. What a world. <laughs> All right. And that brings us to our must read marketing article of the week, an article so in depth, so detailed that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. Today's article comes from Brian Peters at Buffer called The Art of Copywriting How to Write Better Captions That Get Engagement. And like everything Buffer does, this is a very thorough article that looks at all the different facets of how you actually write for captions. He runs through a brief overview of storytelling, looks at all the different factors that make for great captions, covers a variety of principles of effective copywriting. He even goes through the Flesh Kincaid Index for all you super nerds out there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a great iteration that is copywriting for captions. So I love it whenever something is niche like this, and it is definitely worth the read. Thank you, Brian. Yes, thank you. And that does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com. So please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock. If today's show was of value to you, please subscribe, leave a review, or share with a colleague. If you are looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Hack, where after our famous Friday news shows, we don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the hack. And this week, we're playing a little game here called Judge Bud. Ooh. And unlike Judge Dredd, <laughs> Jass's job is to listen to my argument and either approve or deny my motion. And you are the judge of the world. The whole world. The entire world. I have a lot of power. I don't know if I can do this. I'm well, nervous. Buckle up, because here we go. <laughs> judge Bud. Yes. I am bringing a motion to the table to ban glass ketchup bottles. Every time, I'm not a ketchup eater. I know. I don't know why way. you're I even mean, involved in this. I'll have part of it on a burger or something like that. <laughs> I don't like it on its own as a standalone. Who I was does? People, Who they're savages they're out there. Ketchup by the spoonful. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not voting. I'm not motioning the ban ketchup. Okay. But it irks me when we're in a restaurant and you see people trying to get ketchup out of the glass thing and they're smashing it. Somebody's going to break their hand and then they're putting utensils up in there and you don't know if all the utensils are clean and they're trying to get the ladle to ladle that ketchup out. No more glass. I want recyclable only plastic squeezable ketchup bottles. I approve that motion, although I will miss tapping on the 57 because I feel like that's a myth. <laughs> All right. <And> <laughs> Approved, is, yeah. I think it's the first one I ever got passed by you. Well, I feel like that makes sense because it, for me, the problem with the glass, it, uh, the disgusting things that you mentioned, yes, but I, you can't squeeze it. There's no way to get the ketchup out. So I would just vote for something squeezable and there's not squeezable glass. So I approve this motion. All right. I'm going to keep my momentum going. Nope. And the standard shower, at least here in America is just the sprayer on top. That's standard. I think so. I, Who has that, though? Oh, interesting. My motion is to change the standard of showers to being just that sprayer 
into the sprayer with the hose. Yes. That is so much better. You can keep it there if you want. If you're bathing a dog or like a four-year-old, you can <laughs> bathe them much better. And it's like not just a static thing up there. You can move around and be like, oh, I'm going to shower my back. And you can shower your back. And it's like shower your back. Well, I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah. you can be like, oh, I'm going to go under my armpits or something like that. And or, it's it's yeah. so much more sanitary than letting you're like, oh, I want to wash my feet. I'm going to let it drip all the way down my body and finally get to my feet and do that. Like, no, you can just clean things the way you want to clean them with a hose. Yeah, I agree with you because you can clean your shower like that, too. I'm going to let this oh, one go through. Did you ever think of that? That's like just a, like meta. Wow. Right. I mean, you clean it with cleaning products, but you rinse it down or whatever. See, I know that that's the standard is the little thing, but I think every single person in the history of the world changes it out. Like even me, when I would move into apartments, I would change it out and then put it back when I moved out. I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know this. I've been living roughly 36 years with the with the standard sprayer. Really? Yes. That's why I wish we make this emotion and you need to pass this I motion. pass this motion. All 150 right. million percent. Okay. All right. <laughs> Next up, I am bringing a motion to end helium balloons. No! (laughs) (laughs) But go ahead. Make your case. Helium (laughs) is something that we are running out of on Earth. It is rapidly decreasing to the fact that maybe my kids' kids will see helium, but their kids' kids won't see helium. And... It is something I feel like is probably important in some way or another. Like, I get it. We can make balloons float up and stuff. Mm-hmm. But why don't we save some of that helium? It's running out, and all we're doing is putting it in, like, a grocery store and blowing up dumb shapes with it. And it's very a very poor use of our helium. So I am voting either uh, extreme helium tax or complete ban of helium for entertainment products. Well, here's the thing. You haven't presented to me any other uses of helium. <laughs> so <laughs> if since we don't know, because I don't know either, if we don't know what helium is being used for other than balloons, to say that our kids aren't going to have balloons, but we're going to take the balloons <laughs> away from them now, it's not a very good case. I will table this and let you do more research, but I, I will not pass this motion. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> so this one I might have to cut because it's pretty gross. <laughs> I was thinking about this. Judge Bud. Yes. Do you know my favorite color toilet? <sighs> black. Yes, black. It's <sighs> it's just a better experience for all, a black oh, toilet. Cringe. But what is the most common, if you have to think about it quick, just split decision, the most common underwear for men? Color? Just in general. You think underwear, men, tradition. Boxers. That's not a color. <laughs> oh, wait, you wanted color? Yeah. <laughs> I asked you that, didn't I? White? Tidy whities. Yeah, tidy whities. I am putting a motion to ban tidy whities. Why? Because why do you want something <laughs> that is like the most pristine bleached cloth in an area that is <laughs> could be unsavory at times? <laughs> I am voting against tidy whities, that we ban tidy whities. I... I don't understand the benefit of having bleach white <laughs> underwear. Well, the benefit is if you make a mess in them, you can bleach them. <laughs> I guess. I mean, and what does a black toilet have to do with that? Well, here's other the thing. than that they're disgusting. Here's the thing. I've got a solution. Yes. So I think people have latched on to Tidy Whities for so long because of the name. Of course. It's tidy very whities. catchy. Tidy Whities, right? <laughs> 
So like, if we're going to get rid of this, we need something equally as catchy. <laughs> Tell me you have a proposal. No, I do. <laughs> Go for it. Downy brownies. No, no. <laughs> Downy? Like, because they're down. Yeah, the down. Oh, Downy my. brownies. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no. You're still going to have to wash them, even if they get stained, because stains come in a variety of colors and shades. <laughs> Make a ruling, Judge. <laughs> you know what? You worked really hard on this idea. I approve. Yes. <laughs> All right. And that does it for this week's show. We'll see you next week.